Welcome to the Mediocre Outdoor Podcast, where I talk about the old ways in a new way. Technology is great, but knowing how it used to be done can only progress us further. So join me and my guests as we talk about everything from canning to skiing and everything in between. So my name is Jacob Wilcox. I'm the uh, owner of Rocky Mountain Reloading. Uh, I guess I'm, I'm dual owner with my wife. We're in Lewiston, Idaho now. Um, when I started the business, I started the business in Pocatello, Idaho when I was 23 years old, believe it or not. Okay. Um, I was a newlywed, and I had uh, just gone through the police academy and was still going to school so that I could get my degree to go to, like, the FBI or or one of those uh, more prestigious law enforcement agencies and uh, just needed some additional income. Um, so I was working three jobs and, uh, going to school full time and the Rocky Mountain reloading, um, kind of just happened because I was, uh, poor. <laughs> I was really poor, but I knew that if I could buy something in bulk that I could save some money. So I ended up buying 5,000 SS 109s, which is a, you know, the armor piercing or I guess penetrating 223 round and, uh, about 5,000 of those and sold 4,000 and kept a thousand for myself. And I had like 50 bucks left over. So I bought 10,000 and, and sold all 10,000 of those and then bought 20,000. And, uh, so we started, you know, just packaging them in my living room, counting them, you know, 10 at a time. <laughs> then I got a counting scale and, um, I think it was $400 was what we started on. Wow. And, uh, and now we can produce, Today, um, about hundred and no, sorry, two hundred and fifty thousand bullets a day. Wow, that's a lot of bullets. So um, today we are what's what's it been? So I, can, I think I started back in two thousand and seven. Yeah, two thousand seven is when I started just selling out of my living room, um, just advertising online. Didn't really have a legitimate business name. I was just trying to pay for my habit of shooting and reloading. Um one thing about me is I hate school. Like I hate it. <laughs> I, I always did fine. I'd get B's and C's and stuff, but I never cared enough to get really straight A's. Um, so instead of uh, studying or listening to teachers in, in college, I was on my laptop looking for cheaper sources of bullets. Or, the things, or the things that matter, right? Different, different ways to advertise. I was obsessed. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> And that's kind of how you have to be if you're gonna if you're gonna start a business. You either have to be really obsessed and and dedicate a lot of your life to it, um, because it takes a lot of life to run your own business. And uh, if you, if it's something that you love and you're obsessed with, then it's no big deal. All um, right, you just do it for fun, um, and it gave me something to do other than listening to stupid <laughs> lecturers in college. Sure. So so where did you go to school? If that's not too personal of a question. So I have a. I have a bachelor's degree with an emphasis in public law at Idaho State University. Okay. And I have two-thirds of a law degree from the University of Idaho. Wow. For somebody that doesn't like uh, school, that's a lot of schooling. Yeah. Plus, I have a technical certificate in law enforcement. and I I went to a lot more school than I should have because it took me a long time to decide what I wanted to be. turns out I don't like working for other people. So, you know, starting a business for yourself is about your only option. 
Yeah. I, I, but it took me a lot of years to figure that out. Um, you know, when I was young, I, I did stucco. I worked as a security guard at the hospital and I sold bullets from my, uh, my living room. So I, I ran those three jobs and went to school full time. So it's hard work. Like we look at what we have today and it's like, wow, there's a lot of stuff that, you know, RMR is doing right now, but it starts small. And, uh, and we didn't, I didn't use uh, much for loans until recently to, you know, buy the bullet machines. They cost upwards of half a million dollars, but, um, but back then I was just buying and reselling. <clears throat> but anyway, so I hated law school. I went to law school because I thought that, you know, it would help get into the FBI or, you know, I could be a lawyer if that didn't pan out. And uh, Hated law school. It was like the worst decision of my life. And I would never, ever give anyone the advice to go to law school. I think it's a terrible investment for your money um, and for your soul. <laughs> so I decided um, in 2012 that I was going to, instead of get um, an internship, like they tell you you have to do in law school, that I was going to go and find new sources for my bullet company. And I didn't realize this when we moved up to North Idaho to go to law school, that there's actually um, CCI, Spear, Federal, a bunch of bullet companies in Lewiston, which was only about 45 minutes away from where I was going to law school. So I drove down right before the end of the, my first year of law school and, and found new suppliers and didn't have to pay shipping. So that helped with my margins and I could keep my prices low. And we all know what happened at the end of 2012. We had the Sandy Hook shooting and my business kind of took off. And, um, and I decided not to finish the, the very last week of my second year of law school so technically i didn't take the finals but i figured i learned what i was going to learn from law school <laughs> right and i just decided it wasn't for me and i was just going to do bullets for the rest of my life and um we went from selling about four hundred thousand dollars a year in 2012 to 2013 we went to two and a half million dollars in sales wow and, i mean that was really good obama had just you know tried the uh, assault weapons ban and and you know we had that as help that was the first gun running panic right right everyone was trying to buy everything they could um, but that was nothing compared to the last year and a half two years yeah that and i have some questions for you later on about that stuff so be prepared for those i figured you would be though yeah i mean i we lived through it so i'm pretty prepared for it other <laughs> than it's been endless nights and endless weekends and my brain is fried so i might forget half of what i'm talking about <laughs> well that's all right we only got like three people to listen to this podcast so it's not that big a deal oh okay uh, <laughs> um well so i guess how many how many people do you have staffed at at your company uh right now it's 10 including myself um okay. 11 if you include my wife who just stays at home and um, takes care of kids and homeschools and, and does the wife thing. But yeah. She's an owner, so she counts, right? Probably, yeah. Well, she sounds like she's doing the most important job there is. Yeah, we've got six kids, so she gets to handle that, and I get to go home and yell at all the kids when I see all the messes that they made. <laughs> Typical Mom's father crying stuff. in the bathroom, you know. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah, I hear that. Uh, so 
you have ten employees, and you. I notice like if anybody goes and and checks you guys out on YouTube or or Facebook, they can see uh, some videos of your uh, uh, bullet making machines. FYI, I spent the morning stalking you, so (laughs) getting some information as much as I could. But um, the bullet machines, how many of those do you have? Um, We recently sold a couple of them so that we could fit some new machines in our shop. But um, right now I have four header machines, and the header machines are the ones that um, make the lead cores. Mm -hmm. Um, I've got one, two, three, four. Six, seven. I have seven uh, bullet assembly machines. Used to have nine. Um, you know, of those seven, six of those are two or nine millimeter machines, and then we have the one two twenty three machine that makes the sixty nine grain hollow point. Um, then uh, there's another thing that we do that we don't particularly advertise because we do it for one company, but we make air gun pellets for a high end high end air gun maker. Oh, okay. Is there a specific caliber that you're you're making for those, or is it a bunch of different calibers? Yeah, we make uh, 22 caliber, 25 caliber, 30 caliber, and 35 caliber. And um, we make those for a company called FX Air Guns. Um, you can't buy them through us. You have to buy them from them. It's just the, the contract we have with sure. them. They're the only ones allowed to sell them. So. So then, right now, you guys are basically just making two, two, three, and nine millimeters. Is that correct? Correct. Okay, because that was some of my um, questions I was having uh, to myself when I was looking at your website. Was like, well, it kind of shows that they do other bullets, but I haven't seen any, and I didn't know if that was because of the pandemic or if that was um, if that was just what you guys specialized in. So, so we. S- we only make nine millimeter and two twenty three. However, I never stopped doing the buying and reselling thing. So mm. we still buy and resell other manufacturers' um, stuff. Uh, okay. We kind of specialized back in the day in buying seconds or military pull down or just pulled ammunition from like Federal Spear CCI. Okay. okay. And selling the stuff that they could not not sell otherwise through other channels. Right. Um, and so we still do some of that um, quite a bit. So like for the 40, 45, you know, 308s and stuff, we, we bring in stuff from like Hornady or um, other companies that don't want me to t- say who makes the second, so I won't say sure, it. But sure, no, no problem we, there. We, we still have a lot of different stuff that we sell, not just the 9 and 223. However, um, with the money that we made last year and this year, um, Believe it or not, if you keep it, the government takes most of it. Yes, I, I know so how that you works. Have to, you have to turn around and spend it. <laughs> and so we invested last year in a the building next door to us. Um, it was an automotive shop, and we um, kind of cleaned it out and, and put in a machine shop. So we have a fully functioning machine shop. In fact, next Tuesday, we're getting uh, a CNC. We're getting a, a turning center with a dual spindle um, you know, lathe and uh, a wire EDM. And the whole purpose behind that is we have tooling for making 40 and 45 caliber bullets or, you know, just FMJ. Mm-hmm. Um, but we needed machinery to do it. And so we're building our own machines to do that. Okay. Um, and once we get that done, the plan is to build more, you know, calibers and whatnot, um, do something in like 308. 
can I, can somewhere I, down the road, six five. Okay, I was gonna give you a suggestion. I was like, if if you really want to hit the market hard right now, six five is where it's at. I agree. Yeah, it is. It's a it's a pretty good market. Um, the The problem with the business as it is now, and that's the thing that I've always lamented about my business is I've always had to buy the calibers that make us the most money first. Sure. Well, that that's a smart <laughs> and, business plan. And then move up. And, you know, once you have a surplus of money and you need to spend money, then you spend it on, you know, doing what you want to do. Uh, I've been a 6.5 guy since before 6.5 was like the thing. Um, if you remember when 6.5 Grendel came out. I actually I remember one. when 6.5 Grendel came out. Yeah. And I was like, that's the shiz. I want that. Yeah. Um, I, that's actually I, that's actually why I was, was pushing the 6.5 because I... I've been looking for some uh, some new 6.5 bullets for my Grendel to kind of make it a better deer rifle for my daughter. So that's kind of my own little hobby I've been working on. Well, the one that I've been using for deer, and um, I think it even works for elk as long as you get a good shot, um, the 95 grain TTSX that Barnes makes, um, it was a great bullet for me. I don't know, since Barnes got bought out, I don't know what they make now. I haven't really bought anything for a long time, but. That was my deer bullet, and it was awesome. I could get 2,800 feet per second out of that 95 grand TTSX, and it, it was pretty awesome. Yeah, that sounds like a that sounds like what I'm looking for because right now I've been kind of using that Hornady Match 123, and it's okay. But you know, I mean, it, I'm shooting it out of a an AR platform with a 16 inch barrel, and so you know, I'm still only pushing 900 to 1,000 feet per second at 300 yards, which is probably about as far as I'm going to shoot that gun anyways, but, um, it'd be nice to have a little bit more oomph to it, you know? Well, I never really had very much luck with the Hornady bullets, um, out of the Grendel. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a lot of luck out of six, five Creed and, and with the heavier bullets, but the 123 ring bullets never worked for me out of the Hornady's. And that could just be my barrel didn't like them. Right. Um, but anyway, that yeah. was the plan to make, make something that I want to make down the road. Um, unfortunately, I have to make the stuff that we can sell the most of to start sure. with. <laughs> so, so do your machines, can you make different jigs for them or do you have to buy, make a machine that's just specifically for that, um, that caliber? So, um, it's, it's kind of hard to explain, but now that we can make our own machines, um, we don't make the frame or anything like that. The frames are, are, at least the ones we're dealing with now, are from the 80s and 90s. Uh, we might get into the 2000s a little bit, but not not usually. Um, but these frames are, you know, cast steel. And they never go bad. They're just giant, huge, heavy steel frames. We just retool them to whatever we want. The downside is... Um, the cost to tooling is so high that you're better off buying another frame because the frames are cheap compared to how much it costs to tool up a machine to make a specific caliber. Gotcha. Especially if you have to change everything on the machine. So um, we do it slightly different than most companies. We actually make our jackets from copper strip and most bullet companies make their jackets from cups that they buy from, you know, various copper suppliers. Um, the upside to making them from copper strip 
is you have complete control over the construction of your cup and your jacket. And um, the downside is you have more scrap, but you know, you just sell it to whoever it is that is selling you copper and you get some of your money back, a decent amount of your money back anyway. Is there any way to uh, melt that down and, and make new strips, <clears throat> new strips out of what's left? <clears throat> Excuse me. No, not, not, it's not very feasible. Okay. Um, Cause it, the copper strip has to be like perfect in thickness. So gotcha. like we use a, uh, 23 thousandths or yeah, 23 thousandths thick, um, strip and it has to be 23 thousandths thick. Otherwise you end up with variation in your copper jacket thickness, which gives you variation in let or, uh, weight. And I don't know if, I mean, you say you've shot our bullets, but we're super anal about how high quality our stuff is. Um, we want to make sure that we're sending out like the highest potential for accuracy bullet that, that exists. So that's and the plus or minus. There's a lot of people that will tell you that our bullet shoots better than any other pistol bullet on the market. Right, and that's the, the plus or minus four tenths guarantee, or four tenths of a grain guarantee? Um, yeah, I mean, for, for the most part, we can keep that... Um, we can keep under that tolerance. Um, but yeah, we typically plus or minus four tenths of a grain is pretty easy for us to keep. Um, occasionally you'll have impurities in the lead or something like that. And one will slip by, but it's, you know, 99.99% of the bullets we send out are plus or minus four tenths of a grain. Yeah. We're working on some, uh, some adjustments to our lead core machines that can get that down quite a bit actually. And so I am hoping in the next year or so we can, start sending them out plus or minus two tenths of a grain. So. Oh, wow, yeah. I mean, for, for a guy that just, you know, is a recreational shooter, for, especially with 9mm, like, that is that is way beyond the tolerances that I care about. So, I think that's awesome. Well, <clears throat> believe it or not, in the pistol world, the weight is not as big of an issue as consistent diameter and consistent base. Okay. So, like, you could be plus or minus two grains. Um, the only thing that would hurt is, like, if you're a USPSA shooter with power factors you got to meet, that could cause some issues. But, honestly, accuracy is not going to be an issue as long as the diameter from every single bullet is exactly the same and your bases are all formed exactly the same, your accuracy is going to be great. Like, it's not going to matter. You could be two grains off and it would still be awesome. Yeah, um, no. Okay, but if we can keep the tolerance tight, why not do it? Sure, I mean that's yeah. The, the more you can control the you know the more precision you have, right? Yep, yep. So and that's kind of our claim to fame. Um, the way we make bullets is completely different than ninety nine percent of the other bullet manufacturers. Um, kind of give you some tips of the trade or tricks of the trade. Uh, we actually use our lead to form our copper. So all our tolerances on our punches and dies are so tight that we can use the lead to form the copper and the lead doesn't squirt out around or anything like that. Um, What that does for you is it basically bonds the jacket to the lead. Okay. And it leaves no pockets or anything. I could see if you had a cup and you're trying to fill it with a preformed lead, there could be airspace maybe or, you know, uh, foreign bodies get in there or whatever. And so you don't have a perfectly formed piece of uh well perfectly formed bullet with a yep. uh, lead jacket yeah that makes sense so, i never thought about it that way 
Well, I've actually got a friend in the in the bullet industry that was making bullets, and he was calling us. He's like, "Hey, we're getting some accuracy issues. Can you give me some ideas on what's going on." And I went over there, and I was just looking at it, and I'm like, "I think that the uh, the jacket is spinning around the lead core." And he's like, "How do you know?" And I'm like, "I don't think your core's been tamped in hard enough." And he did some testing and, and tamped his core a little bit harder, and it solved all of his issues. And, and you're right. Like with if you're doing a preformed core that's shaped like your jacket, that if if your machine operator doesn't know what they're doing and doesn't realize how bullets work, which um, believe it or not, in the bullet industry, there's a lot of that. People are just hiring the cheapest guy they can find, or they're just sure. hiring someone in town that well, can hit a button. Well, that's that's the problem you know with America. How a bullet works. You don't know why that doesn't function that way. So. Right. Yeah, I think that's a problem across the board anywhere in this country right now. Yeah. So all of my bullet manufacturers, my guys that run the bullet machines, they are shooters. They they compete in, um, like, Justin and I shoot three-gun together. Um, Joe, we call him Joe 500. He shoots clock pistol matches and wins, like, every single one of them. He's our old guy. If you call and talk to anyone at shipping, he's the old guy. He's 70-something years old. Yes. Super knowledgeable about anything reloading. Um, super awesome dude. Yeah, we actually had a converse, uh, couple conversations with customer service, and uh, just to plug your customer service, it was amazing for me. So I'm um, very, very happy with that. Yeah, Joe's going to retire eventually, and we'll, we're going to miss him. I hope he doesn't retire anytime soon because we sure love him having him around. There's more knowledge in that guy than uh, than most guys put together, so. Yeah, um, we're, we're happy to have him. So that kind of brings me up you to a, another question. Um, with <laughs> what is RMR TV? I don't know. You don't know? I have no clue. I've oh. never heard of it. Oh, it's on your YouTube channel. It's uh, you guys have this thing called RMR TV, and it's basically your three gun shoot. And I didn't know if that was you have Justin, Joe, and then somebody else. I think that was from a former employee who um, he was wanting to get into some cinematography stuff. Ah, gotcha. And we let him um, videotape some of our three-gun shooting. Um, that's Alex Riendo, I think is his name. Okay. Um, he's a pretty cool dude. He doesn't. He he moved on. Um, he was a packager for us, and he kept going to school and got it. I don't know if he has his degree yet, but he's been doing um, CNC machine work and stuff like that. Okay. But he's moved on to bigger, better things, which we're very happy for him. He's actually been a good friend of mine for a lot of years. So, okay, yeah, I was just curious about. It. I was like, oh, they're they're actually marketing themselves by putting together their own little video skits. I was like, that's pretty ingenious. No, I wish I had <laughs> skills like that. Um, you know, I'm I'm 39 years old now, which to me is old, but um, still pretty young. But I missed the whole era of being super handy around electronics and video cameras and stuff like that. So, yeah, here you I'm I'm 40. I'll be 41 this year, and uh, this podcasting thing is just something that you know. I don't know. I I just kind of said, you know what? I can do that. It can't be that hard. And I love to shoot my mouth off, and I got a lot of stuff to say. So, why the heck not? And I tell you what, it's. Uh, it's been a learning curve. The video side of things, I haven't quite got into that yet because that is a whole nother level. Um, so I feel you there. But yeah, it's not it's 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 not that if you have the time, it's not that difficult. If you use YouTube and you know 
like you said, if you're passionate enough about it, you could do it. But uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's amazing the advertisement value there, though. Just even little little clips. Like um, I was watching some of them on your on your YouTube channel around the shop, and just the little clips you had there were hugely informational for people. So yeah. that might be it's something. It's been a long time since we put, put anything on YouTube. Most everything we have is on Facebook. Um, I kind of gave up on YouTube because they've been, you know, sure. ghosting people and, right. and shutting down some of my favorite viewers like uh, Dustin Ellerman, the guy that won shot or top shot. He's like a really cool dude. Well, we, we went to a shop show with him one year and hung out with him for a while and and he had millions of YouTube followers, and YouTube just kind of shut him down. Yeah, that's, that's been a problem lately for a lot of guys. And, and <clears throat> I'm trying to – I haven't got too hard into YouTube myself just because I'm I'm thinking there's got to be a better platform out there. But it's – everything – every which way you go, you get pigeonholed one way or the other. So it's like I just – Yep. I'm just like, uh, yeah. But the guys that are able to stick with it and they're able to conform to their way of doing things seem to be still being very productive on it. So I don't know. There's there's a lot there, but I think it's you know in a couple more years things will come out in the wash and hopefully everything will work out there. But anyways, we're getting off topic. <laughs> um, so the other thing I was noticing, and for me personally, um, I do a lot of shotgun stuff and uh i notice you guys don't make shotgun shell or shotgun shot or shells is that something you're looking to in the future um you know we've actually looked at getting you know miniature shot tower and stuff like that the the biggest issue i have is for me to be successful at something and to really put the uh put the research and development into something that's profitable and good for my customers. I have to be really, really passionate about it. And honestly, making shot is something that just sounds like saw and log. I just want to fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> like, like there's so many things like everyone's like, you need to make primers. You need to make ammo. And I'm just like, yeah, but that sounds like work. It is. It's a lot of work, but yeah. Well, the reason I was looking at that or thinking about that is right now. I mean, I, do you waterfowl hunt at all? Do I what? Do you waterfowl hunt at all? Uh, you know, I used to do a little bit of it, but I haven't had time. Like, honestly, my time is used up on my family and my job. Sure. So the thing I'm finding is that the the ammo that you can find, which is usually lower end steel shot, um, it just, you know, I'm, I'm an older guy, so I I'm, you know, grew up shooting lead and, and the performance of lead and and the steel shot, it just it's so hard to, to get it to perform the same. And there are a few companies out there that are making um, different types, you know, tungsten-based or bismuth-based. And they're kind of yeah. more like a, I don't know, like a specialty ammo. Not really specialty, but like you're, you're paying, instead of paying $10 a box, you're paying $35 a box for, you know. Yeah. And so... <clears throat> I just, I don't know. I was thinking, I was like, man, that is a heck of a market. And the way that you're doing your other products, it was like, man, if somebody like him could get into it and make, you know, an alternative non-tox shot that is affordable, but yet quality, that would be pretty amazing. I think you would get a lot of business, just FYI. 
Well, the, the issue with that kind of stuff, though, is uh, the cost of the material. Sure. Um, why it is still, you know, dominate the shop business because it's the cheapest way to make it, right? Right. Um, bismuth is ridiculously expensive, so that's why bismuth shot is expensive. Um, you make it out of any other metal, um, I mean, zinc or whatever, it's going to be lighter than steel. So your tungsten is your only other option. I can't think of anything more expensive than tungsten. Right, right. No, I, I agree. It just so it just I, seems like I a, mean, there's nowhere for me to go with that to make things cheaper. Gotcha. Unless we can invent some metal that we haven't found yet that's super abundant and super cheap. <laughs> <laughs> or just you know, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm not a I'm not a big shotgun reloader, but just something maybe more accurate or you know. I was just thinking along the lines of your of your pistol ammo. How could you, you know, make a shotgun shell that was better? So, anyways, just just spitballing. Something I was thinking when I was writing stuff down today. I don't uh, know enough about shotgun to to know how to answer that. Okay. Unfortunately, I don't, my my experience with shotgun is loading thousands of rounds and shooting three gun from Walmart. You know, Winchester box stuff. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I've been using lately, and I'm. It's not exact. I mean, some of it's probably my shooting ability, but a lot of it is just like, wow, man, this stuff is so garbage. Like, we, I had a buddy last year. We went out on a hunt, and uh, this duck came in, and I was out of ammo. I was reloading, and he had one shell left, and he pulls up, and it goes poop, and you could literally see the shot cup roll out the end of the barrel and drop on the ground. I was like, what in the heck was that? He's like, I don't know. It's just one of those Winchester shells. Yeah, like, believe it or not, lately, I mean, the last year and a half, two years, um, the quality of ammo, even from higher end companies has gone way down. Everyone's just trying to push it out the door as fast as they can. So they can get as much money as possible out of it. So um, that, that kind of spins me on to another question that I've been waiting to ask. And that's what's, so what is from your perspective and your knowledge, what is going on with bullets and ammo right now? Is it, is it a supply and demand issue, or is it somewhere somebody getting pinched somewhere, or or bottlenecked, or what's what's going on there? Okay, so in my position as a buyer slash owner of a, a bullet company, I actually have a lot of friends in my network that work high up in the other ammo manufacturing companies. Um, so just last week, sorry, two weeks ago, I was talking to someone high up in the uh, Vista. Corporation, you know the guys that, that run CCI, Spear, Federal, etc. The Umbrella Company. And, uh, yep, and okay. we we were both kind of complaining about the fact that copper is very difficult to get right now, and there's lots of reasons for that. Um, when your government pays people more money to stay at home than what they could make working, you know, a, a copper mill job, and they can just claim that they don't feel safe because of COVID and get on unemployment, you end up with a labor shortage in the copper industry, or at least in the copper forming industry. And, uh, and then you get that shortage lasting for several months at a time. And eventually everything gets backed up. And, uh, the last thing I heard from the guy at CCI Spear federal, et cetera, was that they're getting like a quarter of the copper that they, used to be able to get. Um, and when you're talking about um, those guys, that I mean, they produce billions of primers a year, right? Sure. And uh, if they're only getting a quarter of what they need from the copper suppliers, then there's 
you know, only 25% of the uh, primers get made. And you probably have used to be made. And you probably have twice the demand now that you used to yep. have. So that makes sense. And that's kind of what I figured. You know, you, you hear a lot of things, and, and I just, I've always just like, you know what, I'm just going to ask a source that actually knows or has a better idea. But, yeah. uh, so, and I got the same, believe it or not, so Winchester has the, uh, they have the contract with Lake City, and I have a contact over at Lake City that I've been talking to every now and then. He's like, um, Winchester decided that they weren't going to produce um, ammo at Lake City for the uh, for the civilian market unless they can sell it for above retail value. And so um, oh, wow. what he said was because of that, they've had enough copper or enough brass or whatever, but they haven't been selling very much because their prices are sky high. And I don't buy Winchester, so I don't know, but... Um, he says their prices have been sky high because Winchester doesn't want to play the race to the bottom like uh, Northrop Grumman did. Um, I don't know if you knew, like, remember a few years back when two twenty three could be had for like twenty two cents a, uh, you know, a casing if you bought a thousand of them. Right. Yeah. Twenty two cents a round. Yep. And and now it's like sixty five cents or more a round or something like that. Yeah, or a dollar. Well. <laughs> Back then, the, part of the reason why 223 was so cheap is because um, Northrop Grumman, which is, I, I think they they gave the, the manufacturing contract to the Federal Spear CCI guys. Um, and so they were making as much brass as they could possibly make out of Lake City. And so the Hornady Frontier ammo was made at Lake City. So all that Hornady Frontier 223 was all Lake City stuff. It just had Hornady stamps on it. Um, but it was made with like their their rejected ammo stuff, right? Okay. Not to say it's terrible stuff. Lake City makes pretty decent ammo, um, but there was so much two twenty three on the market back then because they were just mass producing it like crazy, and everyone was struggling in the ammunition industry to actually make money. So that's why there was so much. Like two thousand eighteen, I think was probably the worst year for ammo companies or bullet companies because the market was completely flooded and you know we'd, we'd already had a couple of years of having trump in office and so people weren't so scared of you know what was going to happen in the future and so no one was buying much and what was out there was so cheap that there was no margin left for any ammo manufacturers or you know bullet manufacturers in my case so so but that's over with because winchester's like i'm not doing that we're only going to sell stuff at super top dollar pricing so that's why you don't see a ton of 223 stuff coming out of lake city anymore gotcha so basically the pendulum is just swinging from one side clear over to the other side in the last yep. three years but yeah and hopefully it I, I i'm assuming eventually it'll it'll come back to center somewhere but well i do have some information for you on that okay. i don't know what it's worth um so we sell a lot of our bullets to ammo manufacturers, right? And they, I, I just, I have a big network group of, I call them friends. They're people I talk to often and we help each other out. I, my personal philosophy in business is I would rather have a customer or a supplier than a competitor. And so I like to sell my stuff to people that might compete with me. And I like to buy stuff from people that I compete with. That makes um, sense. 
I've seen a lot of people just think, oh, no, they're a competitor. We can't have anything to do with them. We have to be enemies. And I don't like that because there's money to be made for pretty much everyone if you work together. That's what I'm thinking. It's when you start fighting with each other that you force more competition and you force prices down and it hurts everybody. I would, so, ag- I would agree with that. Um, we've, we've, there's a whole story behind that, believe it or not. But um, what I was going to say was um, I talked to a lot of ammunition manufacturers and I know of at least five different companies that have purchased priming systems to make primers. So um, eventually, I don't know when they're going to launch because if CCI Federal and Spear can't get copper and, and brass, then these newer companies that are trying to enter the primer market probably are going to have even more trouble getting it. But eventually, when all of the, the supply issues that our wonderful government has caused in the last year go away, um, there's going to be a lot more primer producers in the United States. Um, I think primers are going to end up being super cheap again because they don't take much to make. Right. It's just, it's just getting the raw materials to make them at this point. Yep. And then possibly um, people to, to run run the company or run the factory. Manpower. Yeah. So is, is there any other product that they can make primers out of? Or is it is copper basically the only thing, the only metal that will work? You know, I don't know enough about that to really give a good answer on that. But there's got to be a reason why you know, brass is what they use and have always used. And I don't know of anyone using a steel cup for making primers. Right. Um, that, that may have something to do with oxidation issues that might ruin the priming compound or something like that. I don't know. Um, there's got to be a reason why they still use brass. Like every company still uses brass for primers. I don't know of any other material that's ever been used. Yeah, I have, I haven't either. It, Everything seems to be a brass, a brass cup. I mean, the thing to remember is the priming compound is actually a high explosive, which is very different from, from gunpowder, which is just an accelerant, right? Right. And you have to have a material that can handle the high explosive charge. I don't know if you've ever set off a primer without it being inside a case, like hit it with a hammer or something, but it's freaking loud. Yes, um, yes it is. I ended up um, having some primers in my garage way back, you know, decade or so ago, and some mice peed on them and i'm like well i can't trust those and so i took them and i wrapped them up in a ziploc bag and i taped them in duct tape and i set it up on top of a post and i shot it and it was like a super loud explode i was kind of blown away i was like holy crap that's that's why they put primers in little trays that separate each primer because they they will explode oh yeah steel believe it or not wants to fracture an explosion like it, it breaks and causes issues i imagine it has something to do with being able to contain that um, that minor explosion makes, and still makes allow and still allow that that firing pin to dent the the metal enough to set it off. That's my guess. That makes sense. I mean that that, that makes a lot of sense actually. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna transition here to uh, curiosity with your with three gun. I'm I'm not a big three gun guy, um, but I have. My ears have perked up recently in the last couple of years, and so I just wanted to pick your brain since it sounds like you guys do a little bit of that. Yeah, um, you know, there's a joke in 3-Gun that USPSA guys are just a bunch of wusses because they think they're super cool because they can shoot pistol fast. But 
three gun, you got to be able to shoot three different guns fast. Um, and it, it's tougher. It really is. I, I actually shot a pistol match that long ago and I was like, wow, this is too easy. But I didn't win, so it's not as easy as I thought it was. But it's just way easier than having to remember everything to do in three gun. Sure. But there's also another thing in three gun. It's like the most expensive sport you can play. Like maybe sailing is more expensive, but um, you have to buy the best gear for your handgun, the best gear for your rifle, the best gear for your shotgun, and then you have to have the belt that holds all the different shells and you know, you got to hold your magazines for your rifle, hold your magazines for your pistol, hold your shells. And it's just a really expensive hobby. So if you're, if you're someone that doesn't have a whole lot of disposable income, it kind of kicks you out just by the cost of playing the game in ammunition alone. Sure. Um, I, you know, you'll, you'll shoot, in these three day matches that I shoot three gun at that are, they're actually a blast. They're so much fun. Three guns amazing. Um, but, uh, I'll shoot probably 500 rounds of 223 and at least that of nine millimeter and then probably two or 300 rounds of shotgun. So you, you go through a lot of ammo in just one match. Yeah. It sounds like you need an ammo company to competitive shooting sport, but yeah, it sounds like you um, need an ammo company to be able to support that. Huh? Yeah, you know, I mean, like I said, a lot of the reason I, I have my business is just so that I can have cheaper stuff for myself to shoot. Right. And now that now that it's to the size it is, I spend all my time dealing with employee issues or dealing with insurance or the government and not enough time playing. But it's still fun for me, like talking about guns all day long, um, seeing bullets being made. No matter how many times I see it, it's still fun for me. Right. But yeah, three gun is, it's a lot of fun. Um, it's expensive, but you get like the people that you meet there are awesome. They're all guys that want to know how to shoot all three different guns. Um, you learn things about shotgun, you learn things about rifle and things about pistol. How is it's it for... completely different than USPSA in that, um, at least around here in the West, I've heard it's very different on the East where there's a lot more people doing stuff. But, um, here in the West, it's, we call them big boy rules. Like as long as you're not doing something blatantly unsafe, you don't get disqualified. And, uh, so every now and then we'll have a, a USPSA guy that shows up and is like, you're disqualified. You're disqualified. You're disqualified. And we're like, why? <laughs> and he's like, well, you can't do that. And it's like, well, this isn't USPSA. This is three gun. It's different. What, what about the family? Uh, is it family friendly? I mean, can do, is there a kid, uh, segments or or female segments or is it just kind of a good old boys thing no i mean you'll you'll see a lot of kids there actually um and there's there's several women that shoot too Hmm. so you can do it with pretty much anyone um it's just getting harder to do uh for example one of our favorite matches uh, it was called hard as hell over in uh, st george utah it was it was an awesome match an amazing match that brought in like 300 guys, um, families and, and women and stuff like that. It, it ended up getting canceled because, uh, all the houses being built around the gun range started complaining about hearing guns going off. And, uh, I guess some people planted unfired bullets like on their roof. Like you could tell, cause there was no like rifling in the bullets, but they planted them and complained that their house was getting shot and they got the rifle range shut down there. 
Wow. And more and more that's happening um, in Washington because we're up here on the border of Washington and Idaho, right? Yeah, I'm in western in Washington. Washington I, I keep hearing issues about people trying to get gun ranges shut down or at least the rifle ranges shut down. Yeah. So that's that's been it's a getting harder to find three gun ranges. Yeah, and that's and that's kind of what I was wondering because being from Western Washington, um, there is a few around, but the three gun it's it's a lot of you know older gentlemen that have kind of been keeping it alive for the last several decades, and then you either have a shotgun range or you have a you know a rifle range, but you don't really have that that new age mixed competition type stuff. So that's, I guess that's why it's a little curious to me because it's not really th- something I see around here very often. Well, you know, and I'll be honest, three gun has dropped off quite a bit. The, uh, the issue was when ARs were finally, you know, unbanned and we could buy ARs again, three gun got super popular because people were buying ARs and wanting to shoot them. Right. Sure. Um, by now everyone owns two, three, four, ten 10 ARs. Uh, you know, all the panics we've had, everyone buys an AR or two and most people just want enough ammo to shoot it now and then or whatever. But there's not as much desire to really learn how to run them and run them fast and, and to run them well. There seems to be just more desire to put them in a, a safe and say, oh, I've got that in case the government bans it or in case the Russians attack or the Chinese attack or whatever, right? Sure. Um, so there's, there's just not as much interest in in learning the disciplines of three different guns anymore. Back, back when I first started shooting, and I didn't start near soon enough, um, I never got to the professional level just because I was too old by the time I started shooting three gun. But, um, you know, back in 2006, seven, eight, before they had the high end shotguns that could run, you know, 15 rounds, everyone was shooting pump shotguns and stuff. And it was actually still a lot of fun because there was some competition to be had, but three gun got so crazy that the gear got so expensive, um, to get a decent three gun shotgun, you're talking at least you know, fourteen, fifteen hundred dollars. You can get one that's cheaper than that, but not usually very good, or at least not for very long. So and they, then, uh, they don't have different classes then. So it's just basically one straight up class. So they do. They have a limited class. Um, so which is basically iron sights um, for your rifle. You can't use you know an optic or anything like that. I think you can use a red dot. And that's it. Um, but for shotgun, there's really nothing you can do for limited class other than maybe like a shorter, I I think limited class does have like an eight shot magazine limit. Okay. Nothing like a pump versus semi-auto. Scope tack class is a 12 shot limit. And then open class is no limit. Really? Yeah. Well, how, how do you get more than 12 rounds in a shotgun? Uh, you could have a longer tube than 12, believe it or not, or you use magazines. God, that seems like a, um, seems like so a there's stick- a lot of AR style shotguns that people run in open class. Oh, uh, gotcha. Like those, uh, uh, what are, what's that one called? I can't think of the name of it now, but yeah, they have a, kind of like a miniature drum magazine for it. Well, they have just giant long stick magazines too, mm. like really long stick magazines and they very rarely run very well. Um, like it's kind of funny, like those of us that don't do open class always make fun of the open class shooters. We're like, yeah, you guys can't shoot well enough to use real guns. You, know, <laughs> you have to use the, you have to use those super awesome guns. And anyway, but they always jam. 
they also have a PCC class, um, which is, you know, pistol caliber carbine, um, which you can use in open class or in trooper class, believe it or not. Trooper class is kind of interesting. Trooper class, you have to wear body armor and you have to carry your guns with, you have to carry all of your equipment from stage to stage. Like you can't, you have to wear it. You can't have a friend carry it for you or anything like that. You just carry everything that you have, all your ammo, all your mags, all your guns and everything you carry it on you. So it's kind of a, a something that guys do so that they can get a trophy because no one wants to do that. Well, and it seems like it's a lot more realistic, though, right? I mean, like if you're if you're uh, really kinda. yeah if you're really going into the shit, you'd think you would uh, you'd have all your stuff with you. Oh, okay. Sorry, the last time what you said cut out a little bit. Oh, I said uh, it just it just sounds like it's more realistic because if you're going into the into the shit, it would be you know that way you'd have all your stuff with you. Yeah, but the trooper guys are always crazy guys. It's funny as crap to watch them shoot because <laughs> they they'll run the PCCs instead of their pistol, and they just they just throw like hundreds of rounds. And it's like you know you have to carry all that ammo, right? And they're like, I don't care if I'm going to carry all this ammo, I'm going to shoot it all. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and so they just blast through a stage using a PCC instead of the other pistol, which it's a lot more effective. You go through a lot faster. Sure. Well, you know, you get more lead down range, chance of hitting the targets better, right? Yep. Yeah. So, well, I like three gun because you learn to use the weapons and you learn to load them fast and to shoot them fast and to shoot accurately. And I think there's value in that aside from just competing. It's good to have those skills. Yeah, I would agree. I'm going to, I'm going to transition back to, back to the company a little bit. Now that you, you have blessed me with some good information on three gun and there are three listeners. Um, so, <laughs> so from what I've dealt with, with you guys, um, it's, it's pretty much been, I, I can't think of it offhand cause it's been, it's been probably three, four months since I've maybe even longer since I bought some ammo from you, but are, are sorry, not ammo, I bought bullets from you, just leads. Um, yeah. so it, you basically, when I ordered it, it seemed like within a day or two, that stuff was getting packaged and sent. Is that, is that still how things are going today? Yeah. Like right now, um, other than the post office has been really sketchy lately. Um, they're like randomly showing up throughout the day. We used to have a set pickup time, but, um, for the most part, if you order before noon, it goes out the same day you order. Wow. Um, I, I can't say that's the case now because the post office sometimes shows up before noon and it's like, really guys? But um, for the most part, it's either that day or the next business day. Okay. And then I was noticing um, there are some frequent asked questions on your website. And so I was just going to kind of prod those a little bit. And as far as your your quality guarantee, um, can you talk about that a little bit? Um, Are you talking about our satisfaction guarantee? Yeah, as far as like, you know, if you buy a large bulk of bullets and you're not satisfied with them, how you guys kind of deal with that? So, um, we've always had a hundred percent satisfaction guarantee, meaning if you order up to, we say now it's up to a thousand bullets and you try, you know, 10, 20, 30 of them and you decide that they're not shooting for you or you don't like them or something about them. Maybe you're too dumb to figure it out. I don't know. That's usually the only option I have is you're just too dumb to figure it out. (laughs) (laughs) 
if you have something that just doesn't work for you, um, just let us know. And we actually send you a return label. And when we get it back, we give you a full refund. So there's, I don't like, like a lot of, some companies will send samples and I hate doing that because it's a waste of our time. It's a waste of money on shipping. And it's just, it's, I don't think it's great customer service to charge someone overcharge someone for like 10 bullets or 20 bullets or whatever. Sure. I would rather lose the money on shipping it to you and shipping it back because you didn't like what I sent you than overcharge you to send you 20, 30 bullets. Right. Right. Um, the reason why it's only a thousand now is, I don't know if you remember a few years ago, the government was talking about banning green tip two twenty threes, Right. M855 ammo and whatnot. Well, I just so happened before that happened to buy a million of them. Oh wow! And I had a I had a million of them in stock, and one guy ended up buying, I think, one hundred and fifty thousand of them. And then the government came back and said, "Well, never mind. We're not going to ban these anymore." His plan was to mark them up and sell them for a ridiculous amount of money, right? Sure. And so he called me up and he said, "I don't like these. I'm sending them back." And I'm like, uh that's kind of douchey. And so I ended up losing like $400 on shipping on the whole deal because I had to pay to ship them to him. I had to pay to ship them back. And so we, we started to put a limit up to a thousand bullets. <laughs> we will, uh, we will honor that. So. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense actually. Because yeah, cause then you're that weight. I don't think a lot of people probably don't realize how much a thousand rounds of bullets uh, ways it's it's a lot <laughs> i mean yeah it is i think i i got some 40 from a competitor just whatever i could find and i bought a uh 40 10 millimeter and uh 180 grain bullets a thousand of it i bet you that box weighs 40 pounds it seems like it's probably not that much no, a thousand's about 25 pounds yeah well for you know i'm talking you got a box i don't know what is oh, it no, six? I take that back. Is it about 30 pounds Six six by I don't know eight by eight box, which is you know something you'd hold in two hands and Pretty it's small. Yeah, and you got something that twenty five to thirty pounds. It feels heavy, <laughs> but oh, that's, yeah. that's a lot to ship. So, anyways, um, so I just I just wanted to get people to to understand that and a couple things that uh, that I was reading that I thought maybe I think are good selling points that your company does. Uh, another thing that I'm gonna kind of set you up on this one, but. Um, I happen to be a wildland firefighter and, uh, a lot of companies, you know, there's, there's discounts for first responders. And, uh, I noticed you guys have, uh, a, a different approach to it. Do you want to go over how you work your discounts? Yeah. So, um, believe it or not, I did stuff, stuff like that in the past. Um, and we, we'd always have an issue with people sharing coupon codes uh, we don't have the manpower. Like, we're not a big, giant corporation, so I don't have someone that can go and verify everyone that uses a coupon code and make sure that they're actually a firefighter or a military guy or something like that. So just a, a long time ago, I was like, you know what? Let's just keep our prices lower than everyone else. And usually our prices are still better than other companies, even with a coupon code that they get for, you know, law enforcement, military, firefighter, stuff like that. Right. Um Occasionally we'll run a sale and we, you know, you just sign up for the newsletter on our website and we'll send you an, you know, and that newsletter that goes out, we'll have a coupon code for a product or something. But, um, 
I would just rather customers not need a coupon code to feel like they got a good deal. Yeah, and that's and that's something that I really appreciated about reading that was that I I have way more respect for a company that is just like, look, we're just going to give you a cheaper price. We're not going to play games with you and mark stuff up and then give you a discount and act like we're doing you a favor. So to me, it's awesome. I don't have to play any games, call any special, you know, customer service person and give them all my information. I can just say, hey, you know what? I know these guys have a a good quality uh, bullet getting it, the product for your, you know, a reasonable price compared to across the board. I'm good with that. No, no, no BS on either side of things. So, so, so how long have you been buying from us? Uh, I actually, uh, I've only been reloading. I just started getting into reloading here about probably about 2019. And so obviously it's as soon as I got into it, getting products started becoming extremely hard. And so, uh, I just found you guys. Um, I don't remember how I found, I think it was just, search in the internet for anybody that had nine millimeter and you guys popped up and were probably one of the only people that had anything in stock um here last year and um i think i was dealing with joe and we had an issue with mailing and some stuff so uh anyways you guys worked that out really fast and well and without any haggling and uh i ended up getting my product in a day or two um, everything worked out and I've just, I've bought a couple times since then and I've just never had any issues. So, um, it just kind of intrigued me and that's kind of why I called you and, and reached out to you about the, the company was because it was like, here's a company that, you know, for, for me is relatively close. You're probably about six and a half hours away. Um, so I could drive over there if I had to, but to deal with you guys, the way I've dealt with you, the response on the product and just... Like I said, your customer service, your prices, your quality, it was like, wow, these guys deserve a little bit of promotion. So that's, that was kind of why I figured I would, uh, you know, do this interview with you today is to kind of get your name out there and let everybody else know uh, how proud I was of, of your products. So I haven't shot it yet, so I can't tell you the quality control, but I'm, I have no worries there. So Cool. Yeah. Um so kind of along the lines of um, the way you like the way we do stuff, back in 2007 um, when I started the business, believe it or not, internet retailing was still pretty new. I, it had existed for a while. You know, places like eBay and, and Amazon was still actually pretty new back then. But, um, you know, eBay had kind of been established. But online vending was was getting was pretty new. Um but the thing that I found when I would go look for buying bullets is I could find great cheap prices. And as soon as I put something in the, in the cart, it would, it would add like 25, $30 for shipping. And I was like, Oh, that's not that great a price. In fact, that price sucks. Right. And so from day one, when I started this business, I was like, I'm just going to make everything include shipping because I hate it when I go to a website and I don't know how much I'm going to pay for something. It's, to me, it's stupid to list a price of something that really the customer doesn't actually know what they're going to pay. It's like, oh, those bullets cost $25, and then you go into the checkout, and it's like $108. How'd that happen? You know? Right. Yeah, there's been a lot of products that so, I have been upset with or, or didn't end up buying, even though I needed them, because of things like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
But no, I that, I appreciate that, and I you know I used to have I used to have a taxidermy business for quite a long time, and uh, that was always one of my things. I I think kind of not necessarily my mission statement, but my thought process was is I got into it because everything was so ridiculously expensive, and it's like well I can I can do a quality product for a lot less money at the because at the time I had less overhead, and so yeah. I got into it trying to do something for you know people that maybe don't have a thousand dollars to throw on a deer head. Maybe they only have a, you know, they could scrounge up, I don't know, four or $500, but a thousand would be ridiculous. And so I got into that business and I realized real quick, I wasn't a businessman because every time I would finish a product, I would, you know, there'd be some little nuance thing that I didn't like or, or didn't come out the way I wanted to, but the client didn't know, but I would automatically, ah, oh, yeah, I'm just going to knock 50 bucks off because of this. This is not quite right. And they're like, Oh, awesome. And I was like, was well, good customer service, but I'm never going to make any money at this. <laughs> so, I, well, but I appreciate I appreciate companies that that do look after those kind of things and, and make that a point to have the quality and the customer service. I guess is where I'm getting. So, anyways, it makes a lot. It, it means a lot to somebody like me that the way your company's set up and how you guys do business. So, well, I, I a long time ago decided that rather than spend money on advertising. I would spend money on customer service. So if I have to pay to ship something back, I'd pay to ship something back. If I had to, like if something got stolen from the post office, I would pay to, you know, send something again. And, you know, there was money lost that way. But my personal opinion is if I run my company the way I would want to buy something from it, if I was the customer, then a lot of other people would probably want to buy from it too. And that's admirable. Um, and, and honestly, it's worked out. I, I know that, you know, it, it would have been a faster way to grow my business if I'd have invested tens of thousands of dollars in advertising and, and tried to get our name out there faster that way. But I don't know of any other bullet company or reloading company that has as good a reputation as we do as far as our, our customer service goes and our bullet quality goes. Um, you're always going to have those guys that no matter what you do um, – they don't like you and they'll cuss and swear at you. And, <laughs> and occasionally I've, I may have been accused of firing back a few insults every now and then because I'm like, I just don't feel like I should be treated poorly by anybody, especially when we put in all of the effort and love that we do and what we do. Um, but you just get those people that are super entitled. And I've got story after story of people that, I think they have mental issues or something that just want to, I don't know if they think they're going to get something free by being a jerk or something. I don't know. Well, I think there's just that, jerks um, out there. Uh, yeah, know. there are. <laughs> the internet's full of them. Uh, but yeah, I know I, I, I hear you there, man. It's that is a, and I, I don't care what business you have or, or, or where you deal with people. There's always that one, right? There's always that dude or girl or, or whatever. But uh, yeah, there's, that's just part of the game. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I really love my customers. Um, believe it or not, selling to the gun folk is the best customer to have. They're 99.99% of them are super understanding. They're, they're patient. They'll wait for their product. They are very grateful when they get what they ordered, which I, I'm like, well, shouldn't you kind of expect to get what you ordered? <laughs> right? Like, 
Um, but I can't tell you how many people send me thank you letters and say, you know, thanks for making a great product. Thanks for shipping this out right away. Thanks for the smiley faces on the, on the stickers or, or, you know, whatever. Um, you know, I tell, I tell our packagers, I'm like, if you've got, if you guys have any extra time, make sure that you're sending thank you notes to the customers. And for the most part that came from my packaging department, they started doing it on their own. And I was getting so much positive feedback from it that I was like, okay, and this is going to now be an RMR tradition. We're going to try to make sure that, um, that the customers know we like them and that we appreciate the orders. So that's awesome. Most, most of the orders will have a smiley face and a thank you, you know, included, um, back before 2020, we were actually, you know, drawing little pictures on the sticker or on the box or something like that and saying thanks. Believe it or not, that goes a long way in customer service just to show the customer that you're taking time to, to say that you appreciate them. Absolutely does. Yes, for sure. Um, and we, we really do like uh, our website. If you go to our website, the opening page says, Welcome to the Family. And that's really how we want to treat other people. And that's how we kind of want to be treated is as though we're a family you know we're all in this together and with the way the government treats the gun industry and in gun folk we need to kind of band together and be a family and not not be constantly bickering or fighting or or whatever yes i know that's credit families do that too but right well yeah a little bit but yeah it's uh no and you know we've been saying that in the hunting industry for forever well not that i'm in the hunting industry but um you know, I do a lot of hunting and, and I do a lot of uh, outdoor sports and it's like, you know, everybody has their niche, whether you're hunting deer for bow archery or bow muzzleloader or rifle, they all kind of pick at each other. It's like, dude, you're, you're all hunting the same thing. You're just using a different weapon. Why are you, why are you guys bitching? You know, you should be standing together and, uh, and, and, you know, so on and so forth. But yeah, I mean, I think that even needs to branch out and people need to open their eyes to competition shooting recreational shooting you know anything if you if you like being outdoors and you like any of the shooting sports with any weapon you should support them all i think so but that's just me oh, I agree. well we've done uh we've done over an hour man i just yawned at your face <laughs> that's all right <laughs> we've uh we've done over an hour on this thing can you believe that yeah, I can believe it. Believe it or not, I can talk for hours about guns. Yeah, it's me, not hard for me. Well, I can talk about our hours and hours about anything, so that's a bad combination. But uh, anyways, I uh, I really appreciate you taking the time uh, to kind of give this up, man. If there's anything else you want to say uh, towards the end of this to promote yourself or, or anything you want to say about the company? Um, just... Uh websites rmrbullets.com uh, if you want to email me my email address is jake at rmrbullets.com pretty simple i'm almost always available uh one of the phone numbers on our website actually goes to my direct cell phone number so you get to talk to the guy that owns and runs the place for the most part joe joe is supposed to take care of customer service stuff but when he's not available i answer he can always hand the phone over to me and uh I just want to say how grateful I am to the, uh, the customers that we have. Uh, you feed my family and you feed all of our employees' families. And, um, you know, we just barely started offering health insurance to our employees because of all the extra orders we've been getting lately. And 
we're we're super grateful to be able to do that and we couldn't do it without you guys awesome well hey one more thing uh what size t-shirt do you wear uh i am a xl xl okay i am going to send you a mediocre outdoors t-shirt so for my appreciation cool. for coming on and and uh, and doing this, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to get you one of those and uh, get that in the mail for you. And uh, you know, if I could if I could say anything is that some of us are really hoping that you get into some more uh, larger, maybe even hunting caliber uh, ammunition, or not ammunition, but bullet making. Uh, I think that would be that would be awesome to have another uh, another company out there that's that's dabbling in you know, new technologies and, and, uh, different kinds of bullets. So just a, a hint, hint, wink, wink there. Well, um, kind of a teaser. I did just buy a Swiss lathe turning center. So. All right. They may not be free, but you might see something for the hunting rifle calibers. Awesome. Down the line. That would be awesome. So Yeah. You put great customer service with a good bullet and and uh, and no BS. I'm I'm all down. I'll spend I'll spend the money on it. Cool. All right, man. Well, hey, thanks again for doing this, and uh, I will probably be in touch before too long. Okay, sounds good. All right, man. Have a good day. Thanks, you too. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Well, thanks a lot for listening, bitches. So, I'm excited because now, not only can you find me on Instagram, you can also find me on Facebook. And what? Oh, I got my own website. Yeah, I got little technology fingers going and built myself a website. Thank you, Squarespace. Anywho, you can go check it out at MediocreOutdoors.org. I know, it's an org, but it's not a com, it's an org. So, all one word, all lowercase. M-E-D-I-O-C-R-E-O-U-T-O-O-R-S dot O-R-G. Check me out, guys. Leave me some messages, and you can donate now to the podcast. Hopefully, pretty soon, I'm going to have some merch out, and we are going to start selling it, and you guys are going to start buying it. So, hold on to that thought. Wait after Christmas. Save your cash, and we're going to buy some merch, and you guys are going to wear my swag. So... Anyways, have a good one. Talk to you later, guys.